All Saints by Edmund Yates Read for LibriVox.org by Ike Scher. In a church which is furnished with mullion and gable, with altar and riados, with gargoyle and groin, the penitent's dresses are sealskin and sable, the odour of sanctity's eau de cologne. Not only could Lucifer, flying from Hades, gaze down upon this crowd with its panniers and paints. He would say, as he looked at the lords and the ladies, Oh, where is all sinners, if this is all saints? End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Ballad of the Rich Heart by F. W. Harvey Read for LibriVox.org by Larry Wilson What thief is he can rob this treasury, Which hath not gold but dreams within its gates? What power can enter in to take from me my treasure, While upon the threshold waits courage, my watchdog, Keeping back the fates which follow close until I do depart in safety from their little loves and hates, singing of all I carry in my heart. Guarded of dreams against all evil chance, with young adventure arm in arm I go to laugh at luck and silly circumstance, and counting not that comes to me my foe, I change, if it's my whim, the winter snow to blowing blossom, and by that same art I fashion as I will life's weal or woe, singing of all i carry in my heart let me go lame and lousy like a tramp but feel the wind and know the moonlit sky what matter if the falling dew be damp still it is dew and well contented i among my dreams in seeming poverty far from the cities and the noisy mart with life and death my dearest friends to lie singing of all i carry in my heart Envoi, prince of this world, high monarch of all those who deem reality life's better part, herewith I tweak thy crooked royal nose, singing of all I carry in my heart. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Barcarol by Arthur W. E. O'Shaughnessy Read for LibriVox.org by Larry Wilson The stars are dimly seen among the shadows of the bay, And lights that win are seen in strife with lights that die away. The wave is very still, the rudder loosens in our hand, The zephyr will not fill our sail and waft us to the land. O oh, precious is the pause between the winds that come and go, and sweet the silence of the shores between the ebb and flow. No sound but sound of rest is on the bosom of the deep, soft as the breathing of a breast serenely hushed with sleep. Lay by the oar, there is a voice at heart to sing or sigh. Oh, what shall be the choice of baccarol or lullaby? Say, shall we sing of day or night, fair land or mighty ocean, of any rapturous delight or any dear emotion? Of any joy that is on earth, our hope that is above, The holy country of our birth, or any song of love. Our heart in all our life is like the hand of one who steers 
a bark upon an ocean rife with dangers and with fears the joys the hopes like waves or wings bear up this life of ours short as a song of all these things that make up all its hours spread sail for it is hope to-day that like a wind new risen doth waft us on a golden wing towards a new horizon that is the sun before our sight the beacon for us burning that is the star in all our night of watching and of yearning love is this thing that we pursue to-day to-night forever we care not whither know not who shall be at length the giver for love our life and all our years are cast upon the waves our heart is as the hand that steers but who is he that saves we ply with oars we strive with every sail upon our mast we never tire never fail and love is seen at last a low and purple mirage like a coast where day is breaking sink sail for such a dream as love is lost before the waking in the poem this recording is in the public domain beneath thy cross by christina rossetti read for LibriVox.org by paula messina am i a stone and not a sheep that i can stand o christ beneath thy cross to number drop by drop thy blood's slow loss and yet not weep not so those women loved who with exceeding grief lamented thee not so fallen peter weeping bitterly not so the thief was moved not so the sun and moon which hid their faces in a starless sky a horror of great darkness at broad noon i only i yet give not o'er but seek thy sheep true shepherd of the flock greater than moses turn and look once more and smite a rock end of poem this recording is in the public domain beth galert or the grave of the greyhound by william robert spencer Read for LibriVox.org by Amanda Chandler. The spearmen heard the bugle sound, and cheerily smiled the morn, and many a brack and many a hound obeyed Llewellyn's horn. And still he blew a louder blast, and gave a lustier cheer. Come, Gullert, come, wert never last Llewellyn's horn to hear. Oh, where doth faithful Gullert roam? the flower of all his race so true so brave a lamb at home a lion in the chase twas only at llewellyn's board the faithful gullert fed he watched he served he cheered his lord and sentineled his bed in sooth he was a peerless hound the gift of royal john but now no gullert could be found and all the chase rode on and now, as o'er the rocks and dells, the gallant chidings rise, all Snowdon's craggy chaos yells, the many mingled cries. That day Llewellyn little loved, 
the chase of heart and hair, and scant and small the booty proved, for Gullert was not there. Unpleased, Llewellyn homeward hide, when near the portal seat, his true aunt Gullert he espied, bounding his lord to greet. But when he gained his castle door, aghast the chieftain stood. The hound all o'er was smeared with gore, his lips, his fangs ran blood. Llewellyn gazed with fierce surprise, unused such looks to meet. His favorite checked his joyful guise, and crouched and licked his feet. Onward in haste Llewellyn passed, and on went Gullert too, and still where'er his eyes he cast, fresh blood gouts shocked his view. O'erturned his infant's bed he found, with blood-stained covert rent, and all around the walls and ground with recent blood besprent. He called his child, no voice replied, he searched with terror wild, blood, blood, he found on every side, but nowhere found his child. Hellhound, my child's by thee devoured, the frantic father cried, and to the hilt his vengeful sword, he plunged in Gullert's side. His suppliant looks, as prone he fell, no pity could impart, but still his Gullert's dying yell passed heavy o'er his heart. Aroused by Gullert's dying yell, some slumberer wakened nigh. What words the parent's joy could tell to hear his infant's cry? Concealed beneath a tumbled heap, his hurried search had missed. All glowing from his rosy sleep, the cherub boy he kissed. Nor scath had he, nor harm, nor dread, but the same couch beneath lay a gaunt wolf all torn and dead tremendous still in death ah what was then llewellyn's pain for now the truth was clear his gallant hound the wolf had slain to save llewellyn's heir vain vain was all llewellyn's woe best of thy kind adieu the frantic blow which laid thee low this heart shall ever rue and now a gallant tomb they raise, with costly sculpture decked, and marbles storied with his praise, poor Gullert's bones protect. There never could the spearman pass, or forester unmoved. There oft the tear-besprinkled grass Llewellyn's sorrow proved. And there he hung his horn and spear, and there, as evening fell, in fancy's ear he oft would hear poor Gullert's dying yell. And till great Snowdon's rocks grow old and cease the storm to brave, the consecrated spot shall hold the name of Gullert's grave. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. The Cattle Thief by E. Pauline Johnson. Tekahyon Wake. Read for LibriVox.org by Sandra. Montreal, 2021. 
they were coming across the prairie they were galloping hard and fast for the eyes of those desperate riders had sighted their man at last sighted him off to eastward where the cree encampment lay where the cotton woods fringed the river miles and miles away mistake him never mistake him the famous eagle chief that terror to all the settlers that desperate cattle thief that monstrous fearless indian who lorded it over the plain who thieved and raided and scouted who rode like a hurricane but they've tracked him across the prairie they've followed him hard and fast for those desperate english settlers have sighted their man at last up they wheeled to the tepees all their british blood aflame bent on bullets and bloodshed bent on bringing down their game but they searched in vain for the cattle thief that lion had left his lair and they cursed like a troop of demons for the women alone were there the sneaking indian coward they hissed he hides while yet he can he'll come in the night for cattle but he's scared to face a man never and up from the cottonwoods rang the voice of eagle chief and right out into the open stepped unarmed the cattle thief was that the game they had coveted scarce fifty years had rolled o'er that fleshless hungry frame starved to the bone and old over that wrinkled tawny skin unfed by the warmth of blood over those hungry hollow eyes that glared for the sight of food he turned like a hunted lion i know not fear said he and the words outleapt from his shrunken lips in the language of the cree i'll fight you white skins one by one till i kill you all he said but the threat was scarcely uttered ere a dozen balls of lead whizzed through the air about him like a shower of metal rain and the gaunt old indian cattle thief dropped dead on the open plain and that band of cursing settlers gave one triumphant yell and rushed like a pack of demons on the body that writhed and fell cut the fiend up into inches throw his carcass on the plain let the wolves eat the cursed indian he'd have treated us the same a dozen hands responded a dozen knives gleamed high but the first stroke was arrested by a woman's strange wild cry and out into the open with a courage past belief she dashed and spread her blanket o'er the corpse of the cattle thief and the words outleapt from her shrunken lips in the language of the cree if you mean to touch that body you must cut your way through me and that band of cursing settlers dropped backward one by one for they knew that an indian woman roused was a woman to let alone and then she raved in a frenzy that they scarcely understood raved of the wrongs she had suffered since her earliest babyhood stand back stand back you white skins touch that dead man to your shame you have stolen my father's spirit but his body i only claim you have killed him but you shall not dare to touch him now he's dead you have cursed and called him a cattle thief though you robbed him first of bread robbed him and robbed my people look there at that shrunken face starved with a hollow hunger we owe to you and your race what have you left to us of land what have you left of game what have you brought but evil and curses since you came 
how have you paid us for our game how paid us for our land by a book to save our souls from the sins you brought in your other hand go back with your new religion we never have understood your robbing an indian's body and mocking his soul with food go back with your new religion and find if find you can the honest man you have ever made from out a starving man you say your cattle are not ours your meat is not our meat when you pay for the land you live in we'll pay for the meat we eat give back our land and our country give back our herds of game give back the furs and the forests that were ours before you came give back the peace and the plenty then come with your new belief and blame if you dare the hunger that drove him to be a thief end of poem this recording is in the public domain Constancy by Kate Louise Wheeler. Read for LibriVox.org by M. Lee. He makes the most of life who soonest learns that tis not best to try for heights too high, nor yet to be content with veils too low, but day by day upon his upward way accepts the possible for which he yearns rejects those things that far beneath him lie and asks the strength of slow success to know which gains the heaven for which we mortals pray end of poem this recording is in the public domain The Cuckoo Wood by Edmund Beale Sargant Read for LibriVox.org by Joanna Michael Hoyt Cuckoo, are you calling me, or is it a voice of wizardry? In these woodlands I am lost, from glade to glade of flowers tossed. Seven times I held my way, and seven times a voice did say, Cuckoo! Cuckoo! No man could issue from this underwood, half of green and half of brown, unless he laid his senses down. Only let him chance to see the snows of the anemone heaped above its greenery. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! No man could issue from the master wood. Magic paths there are that cross, some beset with jewelled moss and boughs all bare. Where others run, bluebells bathe in mist and sun, past a clearing filled with clumps of primrose round the nutwood stumps, all as gay as gay can be, and bordered with dog mercury, the wizard flower, the wizard green like a Persian carpet scene. Brown, dead bracken lies between, and wrinkled leaves, whence fronds of fern still untwist and upward turn. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! No man could issue from this wizard wood, half of green and half of brown, unless he laid his senses down. Seven times I held my way where new heaps of brushwood lay, all with withies loosely bound, and never heard a human sound. Yet men have toiled, and men have rested by yon hurdles darkly breasted, woven in and woven out, piled four square, and turned about to show their white and sharpened stakes like teeth of hounds or fangs of snakes. The men are homeward sped, for none loves silence and a sinking sun. Cuckoo! 
Cuckoo! Woodman knows souls are lost that hear it so seven times upon the wind to lull the watchdogs of the mind. A stranger wood you shall not find. Beech and birch and oak agree here to dwell in company. Hazel, elder, few men could name the kinds of underwood. Summer and winter haunt together, and a golden light with misty weather. Tis summer where this beech is seen defenceless in its virgin green. All its leaves are smooth and thin, and the sunlight passes in, passes in and filters through to a green heaven below the blue. Low the branches fall and trace a circle round that mystic place, guarded on its outward side by hyacinths in all their pride. And within dim moons appear, wax and wane. I go not near. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! How we fear sights and sounds that come and go without a cause for men to know. Why, for a whispered doubt, should I shun that other beech-tree high, red and watchful, still and bare, with a thousand spears in air guarding yet its treasured leaf from storm and hail and winter's grief? Unregarded on the ground, leaves of yesteryear abound. For what is autumn's gold to one that hoards a life scarce yet begun? Let me so renew my youth I defend it, nail and tooth, rooting deep and lifting high. For this my dead leaves hiss and sigh and glow as on the downward road to the dog-snake's dread abode. Noxious things of earth and air get you hence, for I prepare to flaunt my beauty in the sun when all beside me are undone. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Pan shall see the surge of my virginity overtop the sobered glade. Luminous and unafraid near his sacred oak I'll spread lures to tempt him from his bed. His couch, his lair... His form shall be by none but by the fair beech-tree. O cunning oak, what is your skill to hold the god against my will? Keep your favors back like me. With this favor he shall see orange hues of jealousy. Show your leaf in early prime, it shall be dark before its time. Me you shall not rival ever. Silver birch, would you endeavor, trembling in your bridal dress, to win at last a dog's caress? Through your twigs so thin and dark shows the black and ashen bark, like a face that underneath tightened eyebrows looks on death. Think not, dwarf, that Pan shall find aught about you to his mind. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! All shall try to win him, but the beech and I, man and tree made one at last, alone have power to hold him fast. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Forth I creep when the flowers fall asleep, and upgather odors rare floating on the misty air, all to be imprisoned where my sap is rising till they reach the swelling twigs, and thence shall each separate scent be shaken free as my flowers and leaves agree. Rare and sooth those flowers shall be. Cunningly will I devise colors to delight the eyes, slipping from my fissured stem to get by stealth or stratagem the glory of the morning petal. Where the bees at noontide settle, mine to rifle all their sweets, Honey and bee-bread on the teats of my blossoms shall be spread, till the lime-trees shake with dread of the marvels still to come when their bees about me hum. Welcome, welcome, cloudless night, is our labor ended quite? Are the mortal and the tree now made one in ecstasy, one in foretaste of the dawn? Crescent moon, sink, sink out worn. Stars be buried, stars be born. Mount and dip to tell aright the doings of the morrow's light. Mists assemble, hide me quite, till the sun with growing strength grips your veils, and length by length tears them down from head to foot. Then to the challenge I am put. 
Tell me, busy, busy glade, half in light and half in shade, is your world of wood-folk there? All are come but the mole and hare. One is blind, and underground of that tumult hears no sound. The other pan has crept within, to bask a field in the hare-skin. All are come of woodland fowl but the cuckoo and the owl. The owl's asleep, and the cuckoo-bird nowhere seen is eachwhere heard. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Those that see the leafing of this great beech-tree and its flowers of every kind, woodland lovers have in mind. Those that breathe the scented wind or touch this bark of satin could never issue from our wood. Tell me, busy, busy glade, are little flying things afraid? All are come of airy folk, gnats that hover like a smoke, butterflies and humble-bees, insects winged in all degrees, honey-toilers, pleasure-makers of labors and of joys forsakers, round these boughs to live and die. Only the moth and the dragonfly keep their haunts and come not nigh. The moth is moonstruck. She must creep with twitching wings and half asleep through folds of darkness. And that other, the dragonfly, Narcissus' brother, flashes all his burnished mail in a still pool adown the dale. Tell me, busy, busy glade, shifting eye in light and shade, are the dryads peeping forth, more in wonder than in wrath, each beneath her own dear tree parting her hair that she may see how queens put on their sovereignty? All are come of Pan's own race, nymphs and satyrs fill the place, necks outstretched and ears a-twitching that Pan may know of all this witching. Heedless stumble the goat-feet till four-footed things retreat, Cries of ah and ay and eh scare the forest birds away, and their notes that rang so clear at dawn you now shall rarely hear. Only a robin here and there pitches high his trembling voice in a challenge to rejoice. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! How two notes stolen from all woodland throats make the satyrs stand like stone, waiting for Pan to call his own. How the couching dryads seem to root themselves as in a dream, and the naiads, wan and whist, to melt into an evening mist. Tell me, silent, silent glade, all in light that once was shade, all in shade that once was light, how went the creatures from my sight? Where are the shapes that turned to stone, and my tree that reigned alone? Red and watchful, still and bare, with a thousand spears in air stand the beech that you would bind unlawfully to human mind. Gone is every woodland elf to the mighty god himself. Mortal, you yourself are fast. Doubt not Pan shall come at last to put a leer within your eyes that pry into his mysteries. He shall touch the busy brain lest it ever teem again, point the ears and twist the feet, till by day you dare not meet men, or in the failing light mutter more than, Friend, good night. Tell me, whispering, whispering glade, am I eager or afraid? Do I wish the god to come? What shall I say if he be dumb? Tell me, wherefore hiss and sigh those shriveled leaves? Has Pan gone by? Why do your thousand pools of light gaze like eyes that fade at night? Pan has but twang. Pan's eyes are bright. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! See, yon stakes gape and grin like fangs of snakes. Not snakes nor hounds are mouthing thus. Pan himself is watching us. Cuckoo! 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 Now the god is breasting the hill-brow. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! 
Pan is near. Joy runs trembling back to fear. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! All my blood knocks through the heart whose every thud chokes me, blinds me, drains my madness. As one half-drowned, I feel life's gladness ooze from each pore. Towards the sundown hill I reel that fain would run. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Thornless seem briars that part as in a dream. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Hazel boughs hurt not, though they blood the brows. Cuckoo! In a meadow prone at last I lie, my wits my own. And in my hand I clasp the flower to counteract that magic power. The cuckoo flower in a lilac sheet under body, head, and feet. Above me apple blossoms fleck the cloudless sky, a neighboring beck with many a happy gurgle goes down to the farm through alder rows. Strange it is, and it is sweet, to hear the distant mill-wheel beat, and the kindly cries of men turning the cattle home again, the clank of pails and all the shades of laughter of the busy maids. Now is come the evening star, and my limbs new-blooded are. So beside the stream I choose a path that patient anglers use, which with many twists and turns brings me where a candle burns, a lowly light through cottage panes seen and hid and seen again. Cuckoo! Now you call in vain. I am far and I am free from all woodland wizardry. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. A Dirge by Anne Boleyn Read for LibriVox.org by Newgate Novelist Defiled is my name full sore Through cruel spite and false report That I may say for evermore Farewell, my joy, adieu, comfort For wrongfully ye judge of me Unto my fame a mortal wound Say what ye list, it will not be. Ye seek for that cannot be found. O oh, death, rock me on sleep, bring me on quiet rest. Let pass my very guiltless ghost out of my careful breast. Toll on the passing bell, ring out the doleful knell. Let the sound of my death tell, for I must die, there is no remedy, for now I die. My pains who can express, alas, they are so strong, my dollar will not suffer strength, my life for to prolong. Toll on the passing bell, ring out the doleful knell. Let the sound my death tell, for I must die. There is no remedy, for now I die. Alone in prison strong, I wail my destiny. Woe worth this cruel hap that I should taste this misery. Toll on the passing bell, ring out the doleful knell. Let the sound my death tell for i must die there is no remedy for now i die farewell my pleasures past welcome my present pain 
i feel my torments so increase that life cannot remain cease now the passing bell rung is my doleful knell for the sound my death doth tell death doth draw nigh sound my end dolefully for now i die end of poem this recording is in the public domain earth's voices by edward carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain one the invocations and the cries of earth once high uplifted into lucid space beyond the vital air's inveiling girth alone in night and the intense embrace of the star-circled sun i turned my face and saw the fields and forests islands seas of this fair planet moving from their place eastward for ever and i seemed to seize the low rhythm of their movement like a murmuring breeze two half lay in shadow and the land of night and as when o'er a sparkling ocean plain wave follows wave in mounds of rolling light to some dim shore where all their splendours wane so ruddy deserts and green lands of grain blue seas and rocky headlands rank by rank passing in slow procession did attain the shore of night and on that cloudy bank out of all sight and sequence into darkness sank three but now the moon late hidden as i moved peered over earth's black shoulder like a sprite half charmed by some huge monster half beloved half feared because of his exceeding might and where about the pole descending white wide snow fields lie and like an ermine cape over the rounded world her glances bright glimmered in azure calm o'er half its shape the rest the sovereign sun in cloth of gold did drape for so beautiful the scene that with delight gazing i lost no detail of its graces until like one who wakeful late at night with meditating fond familiar faces starts from the busy picture fancy traces awestruck with outer silence wonder-bound i watched the worlds glide forward from their places into abysmal stillness not a sound now marked their smooth resistless speed to the profound five then in an universe of suns i saw our planet pass obscurely like a moat and filled with sudden yearning and great awe to know the burden of its single note amid the spheric chant with wings of thought i cleft the airless space dipped into shade nightward below the moon and forward brought in one large curve of meteor swiftness made entrance into the sunlight on earth's orient grade six there paused a moment then with slow wide wing sank through the murmurous air and as i beat earthward a lark like arrow from the string shot by me with a shrill great cry to greet the rising sun and tossed his music sweet upward and outward in a fount for ever screaming below a wounded eagle fleet went like a whirlwind over rock and river seeking the high crag homeland of his death's endeavour seven so landward i alighted on a beach beside a misty sunlit sea that swayed and shimmered like a cloud of fireflies each borne to and fro as random fancy bed when through the soft hush that the water made i heard loud voices and rude choral song and saw a boat that with its anchor weighed pushed outward from the shore and in a throng the women stood 
and seaward their white farewells flung. Eight, until the daring music dipped and died over the flood, and all the air was still, then turning from the melancholy tide, the women mounted homeward up the hill, and I remained. It seemed their sturdy will was to explore new lands, instead whereof I heard the whistling shrouds sing wildly shrill over a white sea domed with black above. The roaring winds about them whirled, and snake-like strove. 9. Stung by the lightning, and a maddened cry smote heavenwards as the gaping beams drank death, and like a hungry beast that cannot die, ocean flung high her white and windy breath, heaped huge her wet coils o'er the dead beneath, and forward rolling in fresh quest of prey, rustled each surfy scale and python wreath. But turning from my dream, I took the way of those sad wives, and sought the village o'er the bay. 10. And one walked, ever vacant-eyed, apart and hastened whom i followed to a rude dim chamber where the one child of her heart smitten with mortal pain six years of feud twixt life and death moaned and in grievous mood denied endearance whom her mother kissed and stroked her fair hair but thus vainly sued one smile of recognition for i wist she only cried as cries a lamb lost in the mist eleven whom the unknown one watches so an hour her mother watched and lulled a low refrain, which with her weariness did overpower to placid sleep the fretful sense of pain, and evermore the song, renewed again about that chamber, seemed obscurely fraught with ancient memories of grief and vain renewals of despair, the slow years wrought to patient love and tenderness which is not taught. Twelve. But now, borne forward on the wind afar, I heard the roll of drums, and in the street standing, beheld the burnished ranks of war pass by in dignity of measured beat. Strange was the tramp of quick, persistent feet, or harmonized by music, like the days of one who, through a long life's frost and heat, still labors on, and while he labors, prays, his faith high while his feet halt on the dusty ways. 13. A thousand soldiers with eyes forward cast, yet flashing somewhat at the random shout a stranger village sent them, so they passed, fair and sun-freckled, veteran and raw lout, each with his own cloud-fancies clothed about, to bring fame homeward like a friend, or die storming the stubborn-hearted steep redoubt, and as they went their music rang on high, afar, through fields and vineyards to the summer sky. 14. Empty the little street was, and quite still, save as I passed the murmur of one blind grey beggar, who upon a warm door-sill, deaf in his age and darkened in his mind, muttered the wind of words he could not find, wherewith to implore the silence, and his moan, as I went forward, floating after, twined about my heart, till Hamlet left, alone I sat where grass was green upon a sunny stone. 15. Then I perceived that nature has one cry for all her children, for around me shrill cicale, hid in flowering grasses high, made the whole land with their sharp music thrill, which with the hot air over vale and hill went quivering heavenward, like a censer-fire of nature's own strange yearning to fulfil some intimate foreknowledge and desire of unexpressed perfection, whereto all aspire. 16. And overhead, three swifts, keen twittering, darted each after each and passed, cleaving the winds with scimitar-curved wing, skyward in mad career of circles vast, until they vanished in the blue at last. So I rose, and passing from that place, fled o'er the fields and woodland valleys fast, 
until upon a plain i paused a space before densely peopled wide-flung city's face seventeen like a great altar on a rising ground it stood surmounted by a smoky sign high pointing heavenward and i heard a sound low like the baitless roaring of the brine which on a thousand miles of afric's line surges for ever twas a nation's prayer hoarse unremitting and the mist malign was laden with reiterate plaint of care triumph and strife and wide-eyed want and wan despair eighteen and passed me with a shriek from east and west and feet of thunder up the sloping ways the great town drew in fiery grim unrest her steaming traffic through its iron maze and all the roads a flickering dust did rise like white flames o'er the country far and wide because of those who in the wheeling chaise or huge deliberate wain on every side about her to and fro their busy errands plied nineteen so standing by the gate i was aware of low soft singing and a voice whose tone struck strangely through the resonant harsh air and at a window spied a maid alone oblivious of hard ways and walls of stone who all the while with needle deft in hand sang and it was as love a veil had thrown about her singing and herself to stand between her cloud-world and the loud ungracious land twenty for in the heaven of her voice i saw the fair fields where love dreaming feet delay beside a brook whose budding beeches straw dead leaves of last year in the new-mown hay where twixt the closely grown stems two can stay and see but one scene all an afternoon save in each other's eyes where love's bright ray burns diverse beauty like the sun and moon silver and golden through warm nights and days of june twenty one so fair a paradise of longing dwelt between her lips but as i dreamt thereof there came a hush and some around me knelt i turned and saw the sad reverse of love a slow funereal train that seemed to move upon the music of its own low plaint in silence of all hearts while two did prove death's extreme severance and one with faint world desolate cry broke the pauses of the chant twenty two which passed and like a loud returning tide the roaring world swept upward to the gate bearing me inward and straightway the wide street wilderness unwound its noisy state i heard the eager strife and fierce debate of wayside traffic and the hurried tramp of countless feet upon the pavement slate like rain that nightly falls upon a damp garden whose steadfast plash the ear with awe doth stamp twenty three and din of hawkers and in dusk by-lanes discordance of hoarse tuneless instruments rhythmical ring of anvils hiss of planes and busy hum of factories immense and one a mother with pale features tense who peering in each swift indifferent face pleaded her child's life till her own starved sense turned giddy in the shifting whirling race and she fled from men's scorn to death's obscure embrace twenty four and one a man in crying of his wares grown aged till forgetful even of gain feeble in body bent and grey in hairs not of him but a voice seemed to remain for with a long high note like one in pain rising and falling with pathetic art prone through the streets he went and wheeled his wain nor looked to right or left to find a mart but only forward to fulfil his one dim part twenty five 
Then, turning from the crowd, I saw the men who sharpened rude steel to each shapely end, ranged rank on rank within a long, low den, each doomed from high seat or a wheel to bend, as though a nation's tyranny did lend the load of all its wealth to every shoulder, and with the murmur of the stones did blend a hectic cough, fitful of lives that moulder motionless under heaven, each like a grey rock boulder. 26. And farther onward, in a lurid glare, I saw the red, heat-wrinkled limbs of those who ply their fierce glass furnaces with air, and day and night renewed without repose blow, till the tube's white dazzling pendant glows to clear and perfect grace, a subtle feat, and evermore the blast with fitful throes of molten fury from that inward heat roared upward in the silence of their naked feet. 27. So through the ranks I passed of those who do good service in the masonry of man, whose measurements are sure and blows are true, and hearts courageous for whate'er they can in field or factory or camp, who scan most critical their own work, and I heard their labour's musical low murmur span the spaces of a land's despair. A word whispered in heaven's ear, and my heart with joy was stirred. Twenty-eight. Whereafter, in a while, I saw a crowd stream to a gate as of some sacred fane, and passing inward was aware of loud sweet harmonies in rhythmical refrain, and heard the ringing strings recite again those heights and depths of yearning human mood, eternal orisons, which one in pain day long and night long of dread solitude wrought for the want and wonder of earth's multitude. 29. Yea, when a string smote softly through the still, giving a note of sorrow to all times, whereto with gradual melodious thrill one after one responded, like faint chimes heard in the leafen gloom of sunny climes. All hearts with awe were silent, but thereon, as when a wind breaks forward through the limes, sweeping the bees out with an angry tone, a myriad tumultuous voices drowned the one. 30. And raved in harsh, reiterated rage and insane self-insistence, till a chill shudder the listening spirit did engage, as when one brooding all night o'er some ill wakes to the hard, blind roaring of life's mill. So note on note the intertangled sound grew in chaotic utterance, until, with whirlwind cries of fear, as though the ground of all existence opened from the world profound. 31. Three tones strode upward through the noisy throng. Great was the hush, as when a rabble crew bent on destruction, wanton spite and wrong, sees when it fears but knows not in full view. Great was the wonder of that hush, wherethrough I heard the plaintive voice that spake before, cry as for help, and though the murmur grew instant again, I knew there was a power prompt to devise deliverance ere the final hour. 32. Thus wave on wave the wind of music swept about our hearts, till all old memories of joy and sorrow from their slumbers leapt transfigured to life-radiance in surprise at their own beauty, and the seas and skies poured all their splendour o'er us, and fair dreams and high forebodings in those symphonies glanced on us, fitful with reflected gleams shot from the silver waters as of unseen streams. 33. So, when I turned again into the street, even life's common sounds seemed glorified in music's sun-like utterance. The fleet, insistent days and hours seemed to divide with measured equal beats the rhythmic stride of ages, in whose loud discordance stood not old despair of hopes so long belied, but promise of harmonious ends of good and present part in splendour not yet understood. 34. 
thus pensive through the city's western gate half unaware i wandered and a slight slope led me from that tumult twas now late the level sun made shadow more than light and beat the mountains with his burning might to ruddy gold calm was the fragrant wind of garden closes one a peasant white sang as the day went downward unrepined but soon i left that land and all its lays behind thirty five and fled up on the mountains crag by crag until i gained their pathless utmost peak where resting on an extreme stony jag i turned and saw that city's towers antique and modern chimneys as by sudden freak flushed scarlet in the sun's descending fire and straight a hundred belfry throats did speak a deep-toned ave mounting higher and higher heavenward about the world as daylight did expire thirty six and as when on a purple alpine ridge with silver sweet farewell the evening star delays an instant until earth's black edge deemed motionless of mortals from afar plunges obscurely forward to debar all further greeting so on that great crag close under heaven i felt earth like a car wheel from beneath me and my flight did lag westward from that high mountain like a wind-borne flag thirty seven and i beheld once more night's cloudy rim creep forward over continents and seas and heard the bells of eve where'er the dim shadow delayed break upward on the breeze with childlike cries for help to one who sees from them that fear the darkness by whose shore i saw a vision of those who on their knees morning and eve the face of heaven explore circling the world with prayer and praise for evermore thirty eight loudly the bells rang but ere long each tone lapsed in the general consent of sound as upward and in airy flight alone i left the haunts of mortals and the round of earth gave but one cry to the profound voices and bells with notes of labour blent one indistinct hoarse murmur inly wound about the world and rising as intent to reach the throne of god before its force was spent thirty nine an instant so and then the veil of air dropped and i passed into the absolute far silence of the spheres no sound was there but all the throbbing hours fell round me mute like wavelets where no shore is past compute the myriad worlds in mystic motion free fled round about her fell like ripened fruit all down night's infinite and like a sea the universe set shoreward to eternity forty so i beheld earth with her weary load of want pass swiftly and it was as when some plaintive strain of music on a road grows distant faint and flutters out of ken behind an angle like the minds of men at once their world and prison that white veil of soft circumfluent air did surely pen each heavenward cry and high despairing wail wall-like within its own impassable fixed pale forty one and swifter like a wan and eager white threading some gay apparelled crowd she fled among the universal spheres of light following her lord the sun where'er he led until she passed and vanished as one dead while he supreme in thunder stillness strode forward with lessening flame into the dread distance of gloom where all his glory showed less than the starry lamps which light grey times abode forty two yet in that moment saw i that his feet were shod with purpose for in some huge arc he swept sublime whose centre equal fleet who knows might flame like cleave the wandering dark about some greater light again a spark before the greatest 
So, with high hand, fraught with quick farewells to earth, I turned to mark the end of all our wanderings, and sought him who holds all world systems centered in his thought. End of poem. Read by Sandra, Montreal, September 2021. Epitaph by Sir Walter Raleigh Read for LibriVox.org by Gabriel Kelly Even such as time, which takes in trust our youth, our joys, and all we have, and pays us but with age and dust, who in the dark and silent grave, when we have wandered all our ways, shuts up the story of our days, and from which earth and grave and dust the Lord will raise me up, I trust. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Evening Song by Matthias Claudius, 1740-1815 Read for LibriVox.org Evening Song The moon is risen, beaming, the golden stars are gleaming, so brightly in the skies. The hushed black woods are dreaming, the mists like phantoms seeming, from meadows magically rise. How still the world reposes, while twilight round it closes, so peaceful and so fair. A quiet room for sleeping, into oblivion steeping, the day's distress and sober care. Look at the moon so lonely, one half is shining only, yet she is round and bright. Thus oft we laugh unknowing, at things that are not showing, that still are hidden from our sight. We with our proud endeavor, our poor vain sinners ever, there's little that we know. Frail cobwebs we are spinning, our goal we are not winning, but straying farther as we go. God, make us see thy glory, distrust things transitory, delight in nothing vain. Lord, here on earth stand by us, to make us glad and pious, and artless children once again. Grant that, without much grieving, this world we may be leaving, in gentle death at last. And then do not forsake us, but into heaven take us, Lord God, O oh, hold us fast. Lie down, my friend, reposing, your eyes in God's name closing, how cold the night wind blew. O God, thine anger keeping, now grant us peaceful sleeping, and our sick neighbor too. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. The Everlasting Battle by George William Russell Read for LibriVox.org by Amanda Chandler When, in my shadowy hours, I pierce the hidden heart of hopes and fears, they change into immortal joys, or end in immemorial tears. Mortura's battle still endures, and in this human heart of mine 
the golden sun powers with the might of demon darkness intertwine i think that every teardrop shed still flows from balor's eye of doom and gazing on his ageless grief my heart is filled with ageless gloom i close my ever-weary eyes and in my bitter spirit brood and am at one in vast despair with all the demon multitude but in the lightning flash of hope i feel the sun-god's fiery sling has smote the horror in the heart where clouds of demon glooms take wing i shake my heavy fears aside and seize the flaming sword of will i am of donna's race divine and know i am immortal still end of poem this recording is in the public domain Fata Morgana by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Read for LibriVox.org by Gabriel Kelly O sweet illusions of song that tempt me everywhere In the lonely fields and the throng of the crowded thoroughfare I approach and ye vanish away I grasp you and ye are gone But ever by night and by day the melody soundeth on as the weary traveller sees in desert or prairie vast blue lakes overhung with trees that a pleasant shadow cast fair towns with turrets high and shining roofs of gold that vanish as he draws nigh like mists together rolled so i wander and wander along and forever before me gleams the shining city of song in the beautiful land of dreams but when i would enter the gate of that golden atmosphere it is gone and i wonder and wait for the vision to reappear end of poem this recording is in the public domain Halloween by Marco Fuller Read for LibriVox.org by Andrea Atwood The wind is strangely humming, for Halloween is coming. Tonight they say the fairies play on people's windows strumming. Within, when day is dimming, jack-lantern's light we're trimming, that we may find a fortune kind in red-cheeked apple swimming. The raisins fiercely burning, we snatch their secret learning, while chestnuts hop and loudly pop before the hearth-fire turning. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Hearn's Oak from the Merry Wives of Windsor by William Shakespeare Read for LibriVox.org by Amanda Chandler There is an old tale goes that Hearn the Hunter, sometime a keeper here in Windsor Forest, doth all the winter time at still midnight walk round about an oak with great ragged horns, and there he blasts the tree and takes the cattle and makes milch kind yield blood and shakes a chain in a most hideous and dreadful manner 
you have heard of such a spirit and well you know the superstitious idle-headed eld received and did deliver to our age this tale of hern the hunter for a truth end of poem this recording is in the public domain incantation from manfred by george gordon lord byron read for LibriVox.org by alan mapstone when the moon is on the wave and the glowworm in the grass and the meteor on the grave and the wisp on the morass when the falling stars are shooting and the answered owls are hooting and the silent leaves are still in the shadow of the hill shall my soul be upon thine with a power and with a sign though thy slumber may be deep yet thy spirit shall not sleep there are shades which will not vanish there are thoughts thou canst not banish by a power to thee unknown thou canst never be alone thou art wrapped as with a shroud thou art gathered in a cloud and for ever shalt thou dwell in the spirit of this spell though thou seest me not pass by thou shalt feel me with thine eye as a thing as though unseen must be near thee and hath been and when in that secret dread thou hast turned around thy head thou shalt marvel i am not as thy shadow on the spot and the power which thou dost feel shall be what thou must conceal and a magic voice and verse hath baptized thee with a curse and a spirit of the air hath begirt thee with a snare in the wind there is a voice shall forbid thee to rejoice and to thee shall night deny all the quiet of her sky and the day shall have a sun which shall make thee wish it done from thy false tears i did distill an essence which hath strength to kill from thy own heart i then did wring the black blood in its blackest spring from thy own smile i snatched a snake for there it coiled as in a brake from thy own lip i drew the charm which gave all their chiefest harm improving every poison known i found the strongest was thine own by thy cold breast and serpent smile by thy unfathomed gulfs of guile by that most seeming virtuous eye by thy shut soul's hypocrisy by the perfection of thine art which passed for human thine own heart by thy delight in others pain and by thy brotherhood of cain i call upon thee and compel thyself to be thy proper hell and on thy head i pour a vial which doth devote thee to this trial nor to slumber nor to die 
shall be in thy destiny though thy death shall still seem near to thy wish but as of fear lo the spell now works around thee and the clankless chain hath bound thee o'er thy heart and brain together hath the word been passed now whither end of poem this recording is in the public domain Indeed, indeed, I cannot tell by Henry David Thoreau, read for LibriVox.org by Han Lee. Indeed, indeed, I cannot tell, though I ponder on it well, which were easier to state, all my love or all my hate. Surely, surely, thou wilt trust me when I say thou dost disgust me. Oh, I hate thee with a hate that would fain annihilate. Yet sometimes against my will, my dear friend, I love thee still. It were treason to our love and a sin to God above when I owed it to a bait of a pure impartial hate. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth Read for LibriVox.org by Amy Worsham I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, the stretched and never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they, outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth to me the show had brought. For oft when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. The Little Ghost by Helen Hay Whitney. Read for LibriVox.org by M. Lee. The little one who loved the sun, who only lived for play. Ah! why was she the one condemned to dark and dreams for a the perfect perfume of her life was as a rose's breath and now she treads eternally the gusty walks of death end of poem this recording is in the public domain The Lunatic Lover, traditional, collected by Thomas Percy, read for LibriVox.org by Timothy Ferguson. Grim King of the Ghosts, make haste, and bring hither all your train. See how the pale moon does waste, and just now is in the wane. Come, you night hags, with all your charms and revelling witches, away, and hug me close in your arms. 
to you my respects i'll pay i'll court you and think you fair since love does distract my brain i'll go and i'll wed the nightmare and kiss her and kiss her again but if she prove peevish and proud then a piss on her love let her go i'll seek me a winding shroud and down to the shades below a lunacy sad i endure since reason departs away i call to those hags for a cure as knowing not what i say the beauty whom i do adore now slights me with scorn and disdain i never shall see her more ah how shall i bear my pain i ramble and rage about to find my charming saint while well, she at my grief does flout and smiles at my loud complaint distraction i see is my doom of this i am now too sure a rival has got in my room while torments i do endure strange fancies do fill my head while wandering in despair i am to the deserts led expecting to find her there methinks in a spangled cloud i see her enthroned on high then to her i cry aloud and labour to reach the sky when thus i have raved a while and wearied myself in vain i lie on the barren soil and bitterly do complain till slumber hath quieted me in sorrow i sigh and weep the clouds are my canopy to cover me while i sleep i dream that my charming fair is then in my rival's bed whose tresses of golden hair are on the fair pillow bespread then this doth my passion inflame i start and can no longer lie ah sylvia are thou not to blame to ruin a lover i cry grim king of the ghosts be true and hurry me hence away my languishing life to you a tribute i freely pay to the elysian shades i post in hopes to be freed from care where many a bleeding ghost is hovering in the air end of poem this recording is in the public domain excerpt from soliloquy act five scene five of macbeth by william shakespeare read for librivox by dale grothman tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out out brief candle life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing end of poem this poem is in the public domain the morning comes before the sun by susan coolidge read for librivox.org by bruce kachuk
slow buds the pink dawn like a rose from out night's gray and cloudy sheath softly and still it grows and grows petal by petal leaf by leaf each sleep imprisoned creature breaks its dreamy fetters one by one and love awakes and labor wakes the morning comes before the sun what is this message from the light so fairer far than light can be youth stands a tiptoe eager bright in haste the risen sun to see ah check thy longing restless heart count the charmed moments as they run it is life's best and fairest part this morning hour before the sun when once thy day shall burst to flower when once the sun shall climb the sky and busy hour by busy hour the urgent noontide draws anigh when the long shadows creep abreast to dim the happy task half done thou wilt recall this pause of rest this morning hush before the sun to each one dawning and one dew one fresh young hour is given by fate one rose flush on the early blue be not impatient then but wait clasp the sweet peace on earth and sky by midnight angels woven and spun better than day its prophesy the morning comes before the sun end of poem this recording is in the public domain My Life Had Stood by Emily Dickinson Read for LibriVox.org by Veronica Mead My life had stood a loaded gun In corners till a day The owner passed, identified, and carried me away And now we roam in sovereign woods And now we hunt the doe And every time I speak for him The mountains straight reply And do I smile such cordial light Upon the valley glow it is as a Vesuvian face had let its pleasures through. And when at night, a good day done, I guard my master's head. Tis better than the eider duck's deep pillow to have shared. To foe of his, I'm deadly foe, none stir the second time, on whom I lay a yellow eye, or an emphatic thumb. Though I than he may longer live, he longer must than I, for I have but the power to kill without the power to die. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Ode on Indolence by John Keats. Read for LibriVox.org by Bruce Kachuk. They toil not, neither do they spin. One morn before me were three figures seen with bowed necks and joined hands side-faced and one behind the other stepped serene in placid sandals and in white robes graced they passed like figures on a marble urn when shifted round to see the other side 
they came again as when the urn once more is shifted round the first seen shades return and they were strange to me as may be tied with vases to one deep infidian lore how is it shadows that i knew ye not how came ye muffled in so hush a mask was it a silent deep disguised plot to steal away and leave without a task my idle days ripe was the drowsy hour the blissful cloud of summer indolence benumbed my eyes my pulse grew less and less pain had no sting and pleasure's wreath no flower oh why did ye not melt and leave my sense unhaunted quite of all but nothingness a third time passed they by and passing turned each one the face a moment whiles to me then faded and to follow them i burned and ached for wings because i knew the three the first was a fair maid and love her name the second was ambition pale of cheek and ever watchful with fatigued eye the last whom i love more the more of blame is heaped upon her maiden most unmeek i knew to be my demon poesy they faded and forsooth i wanted wings oh folly what is love and where is it and for that poor ambition it springs from a man's little heart's short fever fit for poesy no she has not a joy at least for me so sweet as drowsy noons and evenings steeped in honeyed indolence oh for an age so sheltered from annoy that i may never know how change the moons or hear the voice of busy common sense and once more came they by alas wherefore my sleep had been embroidered with dim dreams my soul had been a lawn besprinkled o'er with flowers and stirring shades and baffled beams the morn was clouded but no shower fell though in her lids hung the sweet tears of may the open casement pressed a new-leaved vine let in the budding warmth and throstles lay o shadows twas a time to bid farewell upon your skirts had fallen no tears of mine so ye three ghosts adieu ye cannot raise my head cool bedded in the flowery grass for i would not be dieted with praise a pet lamb in a sentimental farce fade softly from my eyes and be once more in mask-like figures on the dreamy urn farewell i yet have visions for the night and for the day faint visions there is store vanish ye phantoms from my idle sprite into the clouds and never more return End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. The Old Familiar Faces by Charles Lamb. Read for LibriVox.org by Paula Messina. I have had playmates. 
I have had companions. In my days of childhood, in my youthful school days, all, all are gone, the old familiar faces. I have been laughing. I have been carousing, drinking late, sitting late with my bosom cronies. All, all are gone, the old familiar faces. I loved a love once, fairest among women. Closed are her doors on me. I must not see her. All, all are gone, the old familiar faces. I have a friend, a kinder friend hath no man. Like an ingrate, I left my friend abruptly. Left him to muse on the old familiar faces. Ghost-like, I paced round the haunts of my childhood. Earth seemed a desert I was bound to traverse, seeking to find the old familiar faces. Friend of my bosom, thou more than a brother, why were it not thou born in my father's dwelling? So might we talk of the old familiar faces, how some they have died, and some they have left me, and some are taken from me. All are departed. All, all are gone, the old familiar faces. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. O Mistress Mine by William Shakespeare Read for LibriVox.org by Winston Tharp O Mistress Mine, where are you roaming? O oh, stay and hear your true love's coming that can sing both high and low. Trip no further, pretty sweeting. Journey's end in lover's meeting every wise man's son doth know. What is love? Tis not hereafter. Present mirth hath present laughter. What's to come is still unsure. In delay there lies no plenty. Then come kiss me, sweet and twenty. Youth's a stuff will not endure. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. On Visiting the Grave of My Stillborn Little Girl by Elizabeth Gaskell Read for LibriVox.org by Newgate Novelist Sunday, July 4th, 1836 I made a vow within my soul, O child, When thou wert laid beside my weary heart, With marks of death on every tender part, that, if in time a living infant smiled, Winning my ear with gentle sounds of love, In sunshine of such joy, I still would save A green rest for thy memory, O dove, And oft-times visit thy small, nameless grave. Thee have I not forgot, my firstborn, thou whose eyes ne'er opened to my wistful gaze, whose sufferings stamped with pain thy little brow, I think of thee in these far happier days, and thou, my child, 
from thy bright heavens see how well i keep my faithful vow to thee end of poem this recording is in the public domain a parable by james russell lowell read for LibriVox.org by joanna michael hoyt said christ our lord i will go and see how the men my brethren believe in me he passed not again through the gate of birth but made himself known to the children of earth then said the chief priests and rulers and kings behold now the giver of all good things go to let us welcome with pomp and state him who alone is mighty and great with carpets of gold the ground they spread wherever the son of man should tread and in palace chambers lofty and rare they lodged him and served him with kingly fare great organs surged through arches dim their jubilant floods in praise of him and in church and palace and judgment hall he saw his image high over all but still wherever his steps they led the lord in sorrow bent down his head and from under the heavy foundation stones the son of mary heard bitter groans and in church and palace and judgment hall he marked great fissures that rent the wall and opened wider and yet more wide as the living foundation heaved and sighed have ye founded your thrones and altars then on the bodies and souls of living men and think ye that building shall endure which shelters the noble and crushes the poor with gates of silver and bars of gold ye have fenced my sheep from their father's fold i have heard the dropping of their tears in heaven these eighteen hundred years o oh lord and master not ours the guilt we build but as our fathers built behold thine images how they stand sovereign and sole through all our land our task is hard with sword and flame to hold thine earth forever the same and with sharp crooks of steel to keep still as thou leftest them thy sheep then christ sought out an artisan a low-browed stunted haggard man and a motherless girl whose fingers thin pushed from her faintly want and sin these set he in the midst of them and as they drew back their garment hem for fear of defilement lo here said he the images ye have made of me end of poem this recording is in the public domain Pictor Ignotus by Robert Browning Read for LibriVox.org Pictor Ignotus I could have painted pictures like that youth ye praise so. How my soul springs up. No bar stayed me. Ah, thought which saddens while it soothes. Never did fate forbid me, star by star, to outburst on your night with all my gift of fires from god nor would my flesh have shrunk from seconding my soul with eyes uplift and wide to heaven or straight like thunder sunk to the centre of an instant or around turned calmly and inquisitive to scan the license and the limit space and bound allowed to truth made visible in man and like that youth ye praise so all i saw over the canvas could my hand have flung each face obedient to its passion's law
each passion clear proclaimed without a tongue whether hope rose at once in all the blood a tiptoe for the blessing of embrace or rapture drooped the eyes as when her brood pulled down the nesting dove's heart to its place or confidence lit swift the forehead up and locked the mouth fast like a castle brave though human faces hath it split my cup what did ye give me that i have not saved nor will i say i have not dreamed how well of going i in each new picture forth as making new hearts beat and bosoms swell to pope or kaiser east west south or north bound to the calmly satisfied great state or glad aspiring little burr it went flowers cast upon the car which bore the freight through old streets named afresh from the event till it reached home where learned age should greet my face and youth the star not yet distinct above his hair lie learning at my feet oh thus to live i and my picture linked with love about and praise till life should end and then not go to heaven but linger here here on earth earth's every man my friend the thought grew frightful twas so wildly dear but a voice changed it glimpses of sights have scared me like the revels through a door of some strange house of idols at its rites this world seemed not the world it was before mixed with my loving trusting ones there trooped who summoned these cold faces that begun to press on me and judge me though i stooped shrinking as from the soldiery a nun they drew me forth in spite of me enough these buy and sell our pictures take and give count them for garniture and household stuff and where they live needs must our pictures live and see their faces listen to their prate partakers of their daily pettiness disgust of this i love or this i hate this likes me more and this affects me less wherefore i chose my portion if at whiles my heart sinks as monotonous i paint these endless cloisters and eternal aisles with the same series virgin babe and saint with the same cold calm beautiful regard at least no merchant traffics in my heart the sanctuary's gloom at last shall ward vain tongues from where my pictures stand apart only prayer breaks the silence of the shrine while blackening in the daily candle smoke they moulder on the damp walls travertine mid echoes the light footstep never woke so die my pictures surely gently die o youth men praise so holds their praise its worth blown harshly keeps the trump its golden cry tastes sweet the water with such specks of earth End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Remembrance by Emily Bronte. Read for LibriVox.org by Veronica Mead. 
cold in the earth and the deep snow piled above thee far far removed cold in the dreary grave have i forgot my only love to love thee severed at last by time's all-wearing wave now when alone do my thoughts no longer hover over the mountains on angora's shore resting their wings where heath and fern leaves cover that noble heart for ever ever more cold in the earth in fifteen wild decembers from these brown hills have melted into spring faithful indeed is the spirit that remembers after such years of change and suffering sweet love of youth forgive if i forget thee while the world's tide is bearing me along sterner desires and darker hopes beset me hopes which obscure but cannot do thee wrong no other sun has brightened up my heaven no other star has ever shone for me all my life's bliss from thy dear life was given all my life's bliss is in the grave with thee but when my days of golden dreams had perished and even despair was powerless to destroy then did i learn how existence might be cherished strengthened and fed without the aid of joy then did i check my tears of useless passion weaned my young soul from yearning after thine sternly denied its burning wish to hasten down to that grave already more than mine and even now i dare not let it languish dare not indulge its memory's rapturous pain once drinking deep of that divinest anguish how could i seek the empty world again end of poem this recording is in the public domain Roses Can Wound by Lassels Abercrombie Read for LibriVox.org by Janashibl Roses can wound, but not from having thorns, they do most harm. Often the night gives starry sheen or moon, deep in the soul alarm, and it hath been deep within my heart like fear, girl. When you are near, the mist of sins, wherein the soul goes shielded, can divide, and she must cringe, and be ashamed, and wince. Not in appearance hide, of rose or girl, from the blazing mastery of paired eternity. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Scenes of the Mind by Aldous Huxley Read for LibriVox.org by Larry Wilson I have run where festival was loud With drum and brass among the crowd Of panic revelers, Whose cries affront the quiet of the skies, Whose dancing lights contract the deep infinity Of night and sleep to a narrow turmoil of troubled fire and i have found my heart's desire in beechen caverns that autumn fills with the blue shadowiness of distant hills whose luminous gray pillars bear the stooping sky calm is the air nor any sound is heard to mar the crystal silence as from far far off a man may see the busy world all utterly hushed as an old memorial scene long evenings i have sat and been strangely content while in my hands i held a wealth of colored strands shimmering plates of silk and skeins of soft bright wool 
each color drains new life at the lamp's round pool of gold each sinks again when i withhold the quickening radiance to a wan and shadowy oblivion of what it was and in my mind beauty or sudden love has shined and wakened color in what was dead and turned to gold the sullen lead of mean desires and every day's poor thoughts and customary ways sometimes in lands where mountains throw their silent spell on all below drawing a magic circle wide about their feet on every side robbed of all speech and thought and act i have seen god in the cataract in falling water and in flame never at rest yet still the same god shows himself and i have known the swift fire frozen into stone and water frozen changelessly into the death of gems and i long sitting by the thunderous mill have seen the headlong wheel made still and in the silence that ensued have known the endless solitude of being dead and utterly not inhabitant of mine own thought i look abroad and all i see is my creation made for me along my thread of life are pearled the moments that make up the world in the poem this recording is in the public domain september by h l mencken read for librivox dot org by m lee a dash of scarlet in the darkening green a minor echo in the night wind's wail and faint and low the swirling boughs between the last sad carol of the nightingale and of poem this recording is in the public domain sketches among the poor by elizabeth gaskell read for LibriVox.org by newgate novelist number one in childhood's days i do remember me of one dark house behind an old elm tree by gloomy streets surrounded where the flower brought from the fresher air scarce for an hour retained its fragrant scent yet men lived there yea and in happiness the mind doth clear in most dense airs its own bright atmosphere but in the house of which i spake there dwelt one by whom all the weight of smoke was felt she had o'erstepped the bound twixt youth and age a single not a lonely woman sage and thoughtful ever yet most truly kind without the natural ties she sought to bind hearts unto hers with gentle useful love prompt at each change in sympathy to move and so she gained the affection which she prized from every living thing howe'er despised a call upon her tenderness whene'er the friends around her had a grief to share 
and if in joy the kind one they forgot she still rejoiced and more was wanted not said i not truly she was not alone though none at evening shared her clean hearthstone to some she might prosaic seem but me she always charmed with daily poesy felt in her every action never heard e'en as the mate of some sweet singing bird that mute and still broods on her treasure nest her heart's fond hope hid deep within her breast in all her quiet duties one dear thought kept ever true and constant sway nor brought before the world but garnered all the more for being to herself a secret store whene'er she heard of country homes a smile came brightening o'er her serious face the while she knew not that it came yet in her heart a hope leaped up of which that smile was part she thought the time might come ere yet the bowl were broken at the fountain when her soul might listen to its yearnings unreproved by thought of failure to the cause she loved when she might leave the close and noisy street and once again her childhood's home might greet it was a pleasant place that early home the brook went singing by leaving its foam among the flags and blue forget-me-not and in a nook above that sheltered spot for ages stood a gnarled hawthorn tree and if you passed in springtime you might see the knotted trunk all coroneled with flowers that every breeze shook down in fragrant showers the earnest bees in odorous cells did lie hymning their thanks with murmuring melody the evening sun shone brightly on the green and seemed to linger on the lonely scene and if to others mary's early nest showed poor and homely to her loving breast a charm lay hidden in the very stains which time and weather left the old dim panes the grey rough moss the house leak you might see were chronicled in childhood's memory and in her dreams she wandered far and wide among the hills her sister at her side that sister slept beneath a grassy tomb ere time had robbed her of her first sweet bloom oh sleep thou bringest back our childhood's heart ere yet the dew exhale the hope depart thou callest up the lost ones sorrowed o'er till sorrow's self hath lost her tearful power thine is the fairy land where shadows dwell evoked in dreams by some strange hidden spell 
but day and waking have their dreams o sleep when hope and memory their fond watches keep and such o'er mary held supremest sway when kindly labours tasked her hands all day employed her hands her thoughts roamed far and free till sense called down to calm reality a few short weeks and then unbound the chains which held her to another's woes or pains farewell to dusky streets and shrouded skies her treasured home should bless her yearning eyes and fair as in the days of childish glee each grassy nook and wooded haunt should be yet ever as one sorrow passed away another called the tender one to stay and where so late she shared the bright glad mirth the phantom grief sat cowering at the hearth so days and weeks passed on and grew to years unwept by mary save for others tears as a fond nurse that from the mother's breast lulls the tired infant to its quiet rest first stills each sound then lets the curtain fall to cast a dim and sleepy light o'er all so age drew gently o'er each wearied sense a deepening shade to smooth the parting hence each cherished accent each familiar tone fell from her daily music one by one still her attentive looks could rightly guess what moving lips by sound could not express o'er each loved face next came a filmy veil and shine and shadow from her sight did fail and last of all the solemn change they saw depriving death of half his regal awe the mind sank down to childishness and they relying on her counsel day by day as some lone wanderer from his home afar takes for his guide some fixed and well-known star till clouds come wafting o'er its trembling light and leave him wildered in the pathless night sought her changed face with strange uncertain gaze still praying her to lead them through the maze they pitied her lone fate and deemed it sad yet as in early childhood she was glad no sense had she of change or loss of thought with those around her no communion sought scarce knew she of her being fancy wild had placed her in her father's house a child it was her mother sang her to her rest the lark awoke her springing from his nest the bees sang cheerily the livelong day 
lurking mid flowers wherever she did play the sabbath bells rang as in years gone by swelling and falling on the soft wind's sigh her little sisters knelt with her in prayer and nightly did her father's blessing share so wrapped in glad imaginings her life stole on with all her sweet young memories rife i often think if by this mortal light we e'er can read another's lot aright that for her loving thought a blessing came unseen by many clouded by a name and all the outward fading from the world was like the flower at night when it has furled its golden leaves and lapped them round its heart to nestle closer in its sweetest part yes angel voices called her childhood back blotting out life with its dim sorrowy track her secret wish was ever known in heaven and so in mystery was the answer given in sadness many mourned her latter years but blessing shone behind that mist of tears and as the child she deemed herself she lies in gentle slumber till the dead shall rise end of poem this recording is in the public domain spring song by victor daly read for LibriVox.org by bruce Kachuk. i am the vision and the dream of trembling age and yearning youth i am the sorcerer supreme i am illusion i am truth i am the queen to whom belongs the royal right great gifts to give i am the singer of the songs that lure men on to live and live there is no music like to mine i sing in green and gold and red i pour from secret casks the wine that cheers the cold hearts of the dead my harp it has a thousand tones and makes the world with joy a flood the old men feel it in their bones and life leaps laughing in their blood the sourest mortal all in vain shall try from me to keep apart i have no commerce with his brain i storm the fortress of his heart i am the soul of things to come i make a lover from a log i make a poet of the dumb i make a seraph of a frog the lover with a wrecked romance the gambler by misfortune struck i bring to them another chance new life new times new love new luck my names are all the names impearled in all the songs my singers sing i am the sweetheart of the world i am charisma the spring End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.
Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life by Rita Johnson Young Read for LibriVox.org by Paula Messina Ah, sweet mystery of life, at last I've found thee. I know at last the secret of it all. All the longing, striving, seeking, waiting, yearning, the burning hopes, the joys and idle tears that fall. For tis love, and love alone the world is seeking and it's love and love alone that can reply tis the answer tis the end and all of living for it is love alone that rules for i end of poem this recording is in the public domain the swordless christ by percy adams hutcheson Read for LibriVox.org by Joanna Michael Hoyt. Vicisti Galilei. I down the years behold he rides the lowly Christ upon an ass, but conquering. Ten shall heed the call; a thousand idly watch him pass. They watch him pass, or lightly hold in mock lip loyalty his name. A thousand were they his to lead, but meek, without a sword, he came. A myriad horsemen swept the field with Attila, the whirlwind hun. A myriad cannon spoke for him, the silent, dread Napoleon. For these had ready spoil to give, had reeking spoil for savage hands, slaves and fair wives and pillage rare, the wealth of cities, teeming lands. And if the world, once drunk with blood, sated, has turned from arms to peace, man hath not lost his ancient lusts. The weapons change. War doth not cease. The mother in the stifling den, The brain-dulled child beside the loom, The hordes that swarm and toil and starve, We laugh and tread them to their doom. They shriek and cry their prayers to Christ, And lift wan faces, hands that bleed. In vain they pray, for what is Christ A leader without men to lead? Ah, piteous Christ, afar he rides, we see him, but the face is dim. We that would leap at crash of drums are slow to rise and follow him. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Tears, Idle Tears by Alfred Lord Tennyson Read for LibriVox.org by Winston Tharp Tears Idle tears, I know not what they mean. Tears from the depth of some divine despair rise in the heart and gather to the eyes in looking on the happy autumn fields and thinking of the days that are no more. Fresh as the first beam glittering on a sail that brings our friends up from the underworld. Sad as the last which reddens over one that sinks with all we love below the verge so sad, so fresh, the days that are no more. Ah, sad and strange as in dark summer dawns the earliest pipe of half-awakened birds to dying ears, when under dying eyes the casement slowly grows a glimmering square, so sad, so strange, the days that are no more. Dear as remembered kisses after death, and sweet as those by hopeless fancy feigned on lips that are for others, 
deep as love, deep as first love, and wild with all regret, O oh, death in life, the days that are no more. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. A Terrible Infant by Frederick Locker Lampson. Read for LibriVox.org by Ike Scher. I recollect a nurse called Anne, who carried me about the grass. And one fine day, a young man came up and kissed the pretty lass. She did not make the least objection. Thinks I, aha! When I can talk, I'll tell Mama. And that's my earliest recollection. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Twilight at Sea by Amelia B. Welby Read for LibriVox.org by Sky The twilight hours, like birds, flew by as lightly and as free. Ten thousand stars were in the sky, ten thousand on the sea. For every wave with dimpled face that leaped upon the air had caught a star in its embrace and held it trembling there. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Two Points of View by Lucian B. Watkins Read for LibriVox.org by Winston Tharp From this low-lying valley, Oh, how sweet and cool and calm and great is life! I ween, there on yon mountain throne, that sun-gold crest. From this uplifted mighty mountain-seat, How bright and still and warm and soft and green Seems yon low valley-vale of peace and rest. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Under the Lindens by Walter Savage Lander Read for LibriVox.org by Ike Scher Under the Lindens lately sat a couple, and no more in chat. I wondered what they would be at under the Lindens. I saw four eyes and four lips meet. I heard the words, How sweet! How sweet! Had the fairies given a treat under the Lindens? I pondered long, and could not tell what a dainty pleased them both so well. Bees, bees, was it your hitramel under the lindens? End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. The Walrus and the Carpenter by Lewis Carroll Read for LibriVox.org by Veronica Mead The sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make 
the billows smooth and bright. And this was odd because it was the middle of the night. The moon was shining sulkily because she thought the sun had got no business to be there after the day was done. It's very rude of him, she said, to come and spoil the fun. The sea was wet as wet could be, the sands were dry as dry. You could not see a cloud because no cloud was in the sky. No birds were flying overhead, there were no birds to fly. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only cleared away, they said it would be grand. If seven maids with seven mops swept it for half a year, do you suppose, the walrus said, that they could get it clear? I doubt it, said the carpenter, and shed a bitter tear. Oh, oysters, come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech. A pleasant walk, a pleasant talk, along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. The eldest oyster looked at him, but never a word he said. The eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head, meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed. Out four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat. Their coats were brushed, their faces washed, their shoes were clean and neat. And this was odd because, you know, they hadn't any feet. Four other oysters followed them, and yet another four. And thick and fast they came at last, and more and more and more, all hopping through the frothy waves and scrambling to the shore. The walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so, and then they rested on a rock, conveniently low, and all the little oysters stood and waited in a row. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. But wait a bit, the oysters cried, before we have our chat, for some of us are out of breath and all of us are fat. No hurry, said the carpenter. They thanked him much for that. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed. Now if you're ready, oysters dear, we can begin to feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness that would be a dismal thing to do. The night is fine, the walrus said. Do you admire the view? It was so kind of you to come and you are very nice. The carpenter said nothing but, cut us another slice. I wish you were not quite so deaf. I've had to ask you twice. It seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick, after we've brought them out so far and made them trot so quick. The carpenter said nothing but, the butter spread too thick. I weep for you, the walrus said. I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears he sorted out, those of the largest size, holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Oh, oysters, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? But answer came there none. And this was scarcely odd because they'd eaten every one. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.